Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easily Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome, episode number four of Beyond the Ropes from Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. My name's Sean Basto. Um, today, I've not got a special guest on. You know, like when you get a guest who comes to your house, and once they've been, they class them as a pest. Not a guest anymore. No, I'm only joking. I've got uh, I've got Nathan Farrow back on again today. Um, just before I let him introduce himself again, the reason I've got him back on is um, mainly because of what happened with the podcast in this past week. Uh, if you've been following social media and you've been following the channels for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat, you'll see that it's actually reached around about 7,600 people have listened to last week's episode, one far after another. Uh, it's amazing. Really, really, really chuffed with that. Really chuffed. I can't believe that it's reached people in New York, Chicago. Um, it's reached people in LA. It's reached people in Russia. <laughs> Vladimir Putin must have been listening to it last week. Um, but on a serious note, thank you very much for everybody that's listened to the podcast. And I, I really do hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Nathan, thanks for coming back on. No worries, Sean. I did pre-warn you. I said, listen, mate, once you get me on that, your, your laptop's going to crash. And, and, <laughs> and so it did. But uh, yeah, oh, it's mad. Can't believe how many, how many, how many plays it did get. Um, and I think we need to give a shout out to those uh, people across Absolutely. the pond, uh, USA, uh, LA, uh, New York, Chicago, etc, 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 for all tuning in, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll speak some good uh, boxing this time as well. Yeah, I, I think it was it was great, I listened back to it a few times, like I said, and I thought it was really good to listen to, and you know, I actually, I said this all this all week, it sounded like we actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> but no, on a seri- again on a serious note, it was really, really good, and thank you everybody for listening to it. Um, so, 
I brought you back on because I think it was good because I think it was a really in-depth conversation. I think people enjoyed it and I think it's it's kind of good to, to get someone who knows what we're talking about, who, who can give a good in-depth analysis of a fight and a, and a fighter and, you know, someone who's got the first-hand knowledge of how it works. So, yeah, it's good. So, t- today's episode, it's just a weekly roundup. Uh, we're going to round up the weekend's action. Uh, we had Kieran Farrell's second show, which was at Bowlers, which we, we were both there. Um, and then we had the Saturday show, which was the matchroom show in Liverpool, which I was there in attendance personally. I know you watched it, um, Nathan. I know, I know that obviously you enjoyed some of the fights, so we're going to have a good talk about that. Yep. Uh, and then we're going to look forward to this weekend, um, Anthony Crawler against Ricky Burns. What a fight that's going to be. That's the one. Yeah, so uh, first of all, like I said, talk about Bowlers. How did you find it? Well, it was a good show. Um, good, good little crowd in there. Um, I thought the main event, you could call it the main event, Osman Aslam over eight rounds against, is it Michael Barner? Um, yes, it was Michael Barner, yeah. I was, a li- I was a little, we'll just cut straight to that one to start, start us off. I was a little bit disappointed with Barner because on this particular occasion, it didn't really come to fight for his life, really, did it? No, no, I, I, you're right. I, you know, we was watching it uh, ringside, ringside table, and you know, I, I'd heard a lot about him from different people. I've not personally seen him. You had more experience of seeing him than I have, and I was told he was here a fight, and he was going to put up a good test for for Osman to show where Osman's at. But in reality, I said it a few times, sat there watching it. <laughs> he looked like a punch bag, which is a shame, yeah. really, because yeah. and, and he gets to drop into his knees all the time. You literally every round he dropped to his knees at least once, and I thought, what what is he doing? Yeah, well, he does a little bit of switch hitting, and he's awkward, and he's got that natural movement. But usually, he also brings a fight, a little bit of a fight at least. I do believe after that first round, I just think he thought, you know what, this kid's fast, he's sharp, he's on it tonight. I'm just going to look after myself. That's what I. That's how I found it anyway. Um, and to be fair to Osman, don't take anything away from his performance because he showed some skills there. He really, yeah. he really oh, did absolutely. turn up. He was throwing feints. Like I actually spoke to him after it. I was taking his gloves off him uh, to round up all the gloves in case any went missing. But um, and and I just said the, he was feinting the right hand to the body and coming over the left hook to the head and that was catching him all night and you heard the FUD everyone everyone could hear that FUD off that left hook and he caught him all night with it yeah he did uh, and you know what he looked really really good um, I was just disappointed um, with Barner because I just felt like I wanted to see Osman going into his terrible professional fight with a step up which is what it was supposed to be and yeah. then the fact that you know don't get me wrong Barner but the hell he took a lot of punches and he took yeah. a lot of clean great punches and you know that guy's made of, of, of something something else but it didn't really give us it shown Osman's skills you know in great variety but it didn't really show him get tested and I mean I know it'll come I know it'll come that he's going to get you know this, these levels stepped up um, but I was just disappointed more in his opponent than I was in, in him I was really pleased with the way he performed um, you know he, he did he did he did really well really great combinations some of the shots like you said thudded and it sounded really really hard really hurtful and maybe other opponents might have fallen to them yeah well there was a comment made a couple of weeks ago about Osman not being able to punch but you only need to sit ringside and, and hear the shots whipping in to know that the kid can punch. Um, he's had a, a handful of knockouts out of his uh, is it ten wins? Yeah, ten round about ten wins. Um, but yeah, the, the problem was 
you don't listen you can't box your best every time but there's a bit too much even on the floor with with Barna and too much too much playing to the crowd where it becomes a bit bit of a joke really but to be fair Osman Aslan's skills brought the fight round a little bit and it was a watchable eight rounds to be fair simply because of him it was good. It was good. It was good to watch him. It was. He, he did carry that fight, and he did carry Barner through that fight, uh, and it was good to, for him to get the rounds in as well. You know, going into another another fight, uh, hopefully within the next couple of months. So yeah, really pleased with that. I think he put a good show on for people. So people, I think, walked away from bowlers with that main event. Pretty pleased. Yeah, that was it. It was um, obviously it was a bit disappointing that uh, Jay Carney um, his fight got cancelled very very late in the day. So the card was depleted slightly, but also apart from Osmond, there were some good performances on the card, which we'll come to very shortly. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of start from the beginning now. I'll be totally honest to, to the people that are listening and say I got there a little bit late because I thought the show was going to start at half eight, um, and I had a debate with my missus over it. Actually, you know, I thought she said half eight, but then she said I said half eight. Well, anyway, we got there. We got there in the end, uh, but we missed George Brennan's uh, comeback fight, which was I was personally gutted about because obviously I'd kind of been with George down and his, his, his defeat and his first professional defeat, and you know I wanted to see how he bounced back and. Uh, you know, I managed to catch a little bit, but I didn't catch the full fight. And, and from what everybody tells me, it was actually, you know, he did really, really well. Yeah, it was a good fight. Um, Barkland actually came over for a fight. He fought hard for the four rounds. And uh, it was a scheduled six-rounder um, in previous weeks. But And if it did end up a six-rounder, it would have been a great fight, to be fair. He came and he came for a win. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to... He gave it everything. The lad came over and gave it everything. Don't get me wrong, you've always got to expect him to do that, but sometimes, like Michael Barner, for, for example, yeah. <laughs> they don't always, it doesn't always materialise like that. But it was a good fight for George because with George, he's only young and he's still maturing in, into into his body as a, as, a, as a grown man. So he actually needs a few rough fights. And this kid came over and he roughed George up. But to be fair to George, although at times you thought... Is he, is he game for it? Is he not? He, at times he put his head on 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 Barkland's head and, and he smashed away to the body and it made for a really entertaining fight. My only criticism with George on that particular fight would be sometimes with George he's got he had a massive reach on him he had a bit of height on him and what he could have done was is instead of inviting Barkland in which is fair enough because he outfought him as well in in a, in a tough fight but. He could have stuck his jab in his face a little bit more, used his jab a little bit more to make it more an easier night for himself. And also, at times, George, he, he, he hit him with a check left hook. So he came off to his left and Barkland didn't have a clue what that was. Now, what George maybe should have done when he came off with a check hook, he should have now stepped straight back in as Barkland was turning round to face him. But sometimes what he did was he he went off with a check hook and then he backpedaled and then Barkland was like, oh, he's inviting me in again here. I'm going to come in and I'm going to try my best. I think George got caught with a, he got caught with a flush right hand in, I think it was the second round. Uh, and he took it really well because it was quite a big shot. Um, he swung it from sort of a bit of a jab to the body and he swung the right over the top and he did catch George. And uh, George was a little bit marked up after the fight, but... He needs. He actually needs them fights. So 
in hindsight, Barkland coming fighting for his life will do him the world of good. And he won it 40-37. You could have given it 39-37. You could have given Barkland a clear round. Yeah. But you you can expect that with him. He's coming over from Sweden. He's the away fighter. Yeah. George Brennan's the local boy. You give him the benefit of the doubt. So 40-37. Good little tough learning fight. And uh, off he goes from, from that point on. Well, I interviewed him, you know, when I got there, and obviously I talked to him about the fight a little bit, and he told me, and he, he felt like he was in control of the fight, and he felt like, you know, he had him on the ropes a few times, and he hurt him a few times, and he mentioned that when I was talking to him about yeah. it, and I thought, well, that's great, this is exactly what he's learned from his last fight, he's not to leave it too long to put that pressure on. Yeah, to be fair, you always have to look for the positives, you can criticise yourself too much, and you do have to look for the positives. Now, the, a positive would be, compared to the last fight, now, I'd say Barkland came and brought it more than Louis Norman did. Obviously, his style is to box move, not throw a huge volume of punches, but Barkland came and, and brought it, and George hit him with that right hand, and he wobbled him on three, three occasions, clearly wobbled him, and towards the end of the second round, just as, as he was approaching the car park, George got him on the ropes in the last ten seconds of round two, and he thought sack it I'm letting him have it because I actually spoke to George before the fight and I know that Kieran Kieran's in his corner Kieran would have been instructing him to do the same when he got him on the ropes on that particular occasion he let his hands go and Barkland was in a world of trouble he did not know where the shots were coming from and then the bell saved him but then to be fair to him the next round he came out and he gave it a go again so it was a good four round fight definitely a good learning fight for George uh, he, he was pleased with his performance I'm glad. I'm glad he got the. Uh, the got the win, and I'm glad he got the the confidence back in him. And like we said uh, earlier on, he's young. He's just maturing into his body. He's maturing into, into being a professional boxer. So, yeah. And I think this is what's gonna, you know, fights like this at an early stage of his career will will put him in good stead for the future. Because he, 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 you know, if he fights guys that he's just knocking over for fun or guys that are not coming to fight, when he gets to that big fight, say ten fights in, and he gets somebody that's coming to fight. He's going to be like, what the hell do we do now? <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, if you look at George's career, he's been well matched, but not in the sense of easily matched. Kieran's he's matched him really well, and he's always been in a, a competitive or thereabouts fight. A couple of them he dominated. Um, but then it's like the fight that he apparently drew with Ricky Starker. He didn't draw with him. George Brennan won that fight. It was a bit of a bad, bad judging that, to be fair. Um, and Ricky Stark, he didn't. Although he didn't, he didn't throw too many punches in terms of trying to win. It was a, di- it was another learning night for George because he roughed him up. He was sticking his head in. He was, he was throwing him about. He was holding for dear life, and it was an ugly, ugly night. So that was a good learning fight for him. The Louis Norman fight, Louis Norman's experience, he's boxed for titles, an away fight. So he gets used to being in a away corner because some point in your career that is going to happen. So that was a good learning fight for him, and then. Eric Barkland, although I didn't expect him, I thought it was going to be a, a nice little introduction back. <laughs> he came and brought it, and he did. He brought it, and that was a rough fight. George was a little bit marked up, big busted nose, but he had a, he had a, he had a tear up in there, so George's career has been all learning fights. Yeah, I look forward to seeing him back in soon. So, uh, moving on to all the fights on the card, uh, Brian Phillips was back in quick succession uh, after his uh, outing in Liverpool. That's it. Now, what I forgot to mention on, on, on our previous podcast is I said I was delighted for him but at the same time I didn't I, for, I failed to mention 
he actually had 13 month wait to even get his debut because a bit of a medical problem that he was waiting on and waiting on and waiting on and finally 13 months later after waiting and training for ages he got his debut he won that one and then in quick succession wow round one knockout body shot he looks at that weight he looks strong he looks like he's hitting hard and he's had a few critics since since he turned over um, you're going to get that anyway you always get that from certain individuals yeah yeah and um, what Brian should do is just not hit out at him let him comment because any any comments any attention towards yourself whether it's good or bad is is all good um, you should just ignore them and crack on because not many people can say they went 2-0 and with two knockouts in two weeks so he's, he's off to a flyer yeah he is and I, I managed I did actually manage to catch the end of that fight so I did see um, Brian get the, the stoppage which was great you know it was like I said quick succession back out uh, he'd waited too long to get in the pro and you know within two weeks he's got two knockout victories that's it I'm delighted for him to be fair and and, and the shot that he, he finished the fight with it was a sickening body shot it was a what was it was it a, I think it was a left up to the body yeah and he tried to follow it up with the right hand, but he was already on his way down, his opponent. And um, it was a great performance. It was. Uh, and then we had Danny Williams, uh, who was up against his opponent. Um, I, I'm trying to try and pronounce it. It's got Florence Strupitz. Um, That's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> Florence Strupitz. Now, uh, it was a quite a good fight, actually. I watched, I watched that one from the inside. I managed to catch the full fight and... Um, you know, it was um, it was really good actually. Danny, Danny, Danny actually really um, put on a decent performance. I was I'd never seen Danny box before, so it was a first for me. Uh, and you know, he's a thirty six year old. He's lost. I think he's lost his uh, professional first professional fight. Um, and then he went in, and he went in with a really big guy. And you know, he, he seemed to sort of throw me around the ring a little bit actually. Yeah, well, first and foremost, you have to credit guys for for simply getting in there and, and fighting for the win because. Um, I know it's like you have to credit everyone for getting in the ring but there's, there's people who get in there and absolutely just it doesn't take as much balls to get in there and evade 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 unfortunately in my opinion yeah. it takes a lot more character to get in there and fight your right out for a win don't get me wrong I'm not disrespecting journeymen that's their job but others they a lot of them go in there and it's hard not to criticise them sometimes you know what I mean because sometimes they'll go in there and, and, and they'll they'll not really try but as you say Danny Williams is in his mid 30s and, and like he said to you he just loves fighting yeah he, 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 he's you got to give him a lot a lot of credit he's in his mid 30s and he thought you know what sack it I'm going to give it a go in the ring now on his debut I think he was actually winning the fight until he got stopped I think it was in the last round so it took a lot of character for, for him to because he's in his mid 30s he's had his pro debut and he's lost I bet he's thought you know what I mean So and, and he stepped up he's jumped back in back in there and I think that was 40, 37 as well yeah. um, don't get me wrong the kid the kid was tough it was uh, it was competitive at times uh, I thought it might be but it, it was a step up from his debut Danny Williams and it was a decent performance well I compare it to um, to Lee Carter who, who, who lost his first two professional fights and he could have turned around and said you know what I'm packing it in but the type of guy he is you know great character you know we'll get him on this podcast in a few weeks I'm sure he'll have some controversial stories yeah. to tell us but 
you know, when I spoke to him before his uh, his fight a couple of weeks ago at the MEN, he, he, you know, I asked him the question. I said, you know, what happens if you win tonight? You know, what happens? Do you carry it on? Like, yeah, <laughs> I want to carry it on. I love it. You know, I love doing it. So he, he's not deterred by the fact that he lost his first two fights. He was with John Murray. He was training him, and then he switched to Gary Booth, and obviously that switch to Gary Booth has has, has reinvigorated him as a fighter, and he looked all right in that particular fight. And I compare that to sort of Danny Williams, who's lost his first fight, come in and said, "You know what? I just love to fight." That's it. There's, there's, there's many out there with with that sort of story. You've got the top prospects who some of them are don't get me wrong, didn't some of them are cocky. They've, they've done it all. High expectations. Then you've got the lads who didn't get the breaks as an amateur, even though they recognised as a good fighter. Then you've got the ones under that, and then you've got these ones who nobody regards them. It's like, for example, Lee Clayton, who I'm training at the moment. He does it because he loves it. He did that. He didn't. He didn't have an amateur career. He does it because he loves it. And look at where he is now after getting a bad defeat, wins two fights. He's now got a title fight coming up. Just goes to show you that, um, you know, trying to protect that oh doesn't really mean nothing these days, does it? No, and thankfully, I think all this this um, focus towards that oh the last five years, it's been rife. Everyone's been going about, oh, oh, oh. I think Floyd Mayweather's career has got a lot to do with that. They look at Floyd Mayweather and then they want to oh, yeah. keep, yeah, yeah, they yeah, want to keep their own. But I think that's just whittling away a little bit now, which I'm happy about. The fans should be happy about because you're now going to see people not caring about because at the end of the day it's all about experience not about keeping it oh that's a bit silly really isn't it so I think what we're going to find in the future from this point onwards a lot of people not giving and not worrying about that oh yeah 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 and you'll see competitive 50-50 fights on a more regular basis that's what you want to say as, as a fan so you want to see that you, you do want to see that so uh, moving on uh, Liverpool's Nick Ball was in against Luke Fash, who who was in again the second week in a row. <laughs> Journeyman Luke Fash, I tell you what, Luke, if, if you <laughs> listen to the podcast, you know what I've got. You to better get, be got, listening to the podcast. Yeah, you better be listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get. I've got to take my hat off to you because I seen you in Middleton uh, the week before against Lee Clayton, and then you come back the week after and you fight Nick Ball, uh, and you know actually the fight with Nick Ball, getting onto the point is. Nick Ball came out and I, I was stood at the entrance and I looked at Nick and he looked like a young lad and I thought, hey, how, how, how young is this lad? He's going in the ring. He must be really young. I don't understand how old Nick is, but I seen him getting in and um, I thought, right, let's see what this guy's made of. And, oh God, he put it on. He put it on Luke Fast. <laughs> wow, I wasn't expecting. He just, he, he did sort of batter him from pillar to post. He did, mate. I'm impressed with both fighters. I'm impressed with Nick, Nick, Nick Ball. Um, for his performance and I'm equally impressed with Luke Fash for getting through those rounds that is one tough dude now I think the weights the weights was a little bit of an issue going into the night see now he's fought Lee Clayton the week previous Lee Clayton can make 8 stone 10 if you wanted him to he's not the biggest of dudes Fash came in at about 9-2 on that night I think he came in at 9-2 on on, 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 um, on Friday and, and his opponent was more 9-7 now that and looking at him is a thick set kid. Now when he walked in, when he walked in the in the bowlers uh, exhibition centre at, at the front door, it was this little short kid, polite as anything. And I thought he's not fighting, right? Honestly, <laughs> I thought who's this? But um, 
And then when he climbed in the ring, his legs were like tree trunks. He was short but stocky. And oh, he came out. And he had, like you say, yeah, he had the weight on Luke Fash. And he tried to make it pay. And in that first round, I thought, whoa, not many people beat Luke Fash up like that. But to be fair to Fash, round by round, he was just get, getting more comfy and more comfortable. And he got through it quite well. But it was a great performance by Nick Ball. Yeah. All, all the same. Yeah, no, really good. I mean, again, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the future holds for Nick Ball. Because that was a really good performance. He really... Again, first time I'd seen him, so he caught my eye with that performance. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy because he looks all right. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, again, what the future holds for him. What uh, I also liked about him was he was game for a fight. Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't one of those who... Marvellous in the gym gets it to fight night and he's a bit timid he, he did not care he, he, he did not care about who was in front of him whatsoever he just went out there and tried to demolish him it's a great performance yeah it's good um, one fight that was um, that was interesting was Gary Armrod returning for I think it was a two to three year layoff uh, going in against none other than Willie Warburton yeah the upsetter the upsetter uh, to be fair we spoke about it the week the week previous and we did say he's been off a few years He's getting him with Willie Warburton. When Willie Warburton fancies it, he fancies it, and he's a good boxer. He, he's one of those, he's, he's classed as a journeyman because he goes on the road and he's lost plenty of fights, but he's won 33 or something like that. But he can box. Make no, make no mistake, a lot of them can. You know what I mean? They're not. They're, these journeymen aren't useless. You can't you can't be useless going in with all the top, top prospects every week uh, and looking after yourself. But Willie Warburton, he's, he's slightly above a lot of the others in terms of his boxing ability yeah. and his fight because when he wants to bring it he brings it I didn't see the whole fight from, but from what I saw it was a very entertaining fight Gary, Gary Armrod trying his best but obviously I think he's come out on social media since and said the layout got me a little bit fair play to Willie Warburton but Willie Warburton he got he got the W again it was funny you should say that and it's funny that Gary said that afterwards because Last week we talked about that exactly. Tyson Fury and Ricky Hatton, and we mentioned you know having that a long layoff like that and jumping straight back in with you know somebody decent. You, you're gonna you're probably gonna come up short, and it, we've seen it. And again, it was just testament to what I said last week about if you leave it too long to get back in, and you're trying to jump back in with someone a good fighter that's good, you're gonna come up short, and he did unfortunately. Well, there's a lot of people out there who, who see it as a myth, ring rust. Because you know it sounds a bit daft, ring rust. But a lot of people believe that if you get more than enough sparring, you're ready. And to be fair, you are, but you're not ready for that crowd. You're not ready for walking out under the lights, and that just takes a little percentage out of your performance a lot of the time. Sometimes someone can come back, and you don't see no ring rust, so to speak, because they're not. They're not intimidated whatsoever by walking out under the lights. The occasion has not got to him. I think I think Floyd Mayweather is a perfect example of that. The amount of times he's took two or three years out and come back and just looked as exceptional as he did two or three years ago. He, he's the only. He's one of the only people. I think him, Sugar Ray Leonard did it. Uh, came back and, and beat Marvin Hagler. You know, there's been a, a few, but again, look at the the level of the guys that are able to do it compared to the guys that you know. No offense to them, or no disrespect to anybody, but the, 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 there's levels in boxing, like I've always said, and there's different different types of levels, and we could see by say Leonard and Mayweather doing it against you know 
Willie, Willie, uh, Willie, not Willie Warburton, um, Gary Armour doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, though, you could also just look at it like the likes of Leonard, the likes of Mayweather, they leave no stone unturned whatsoever. So, in my belief, is they train their mind as well as their body. Now, people, maybe on a small hall show, they'll train like mad in a gym, but they forget to train their mind. If a, if a kid comes into a small hall show, and he stays in the moment, and he doesn't let his emotions get in front of him, then he will not have any ring rust. That's what I believe. I believe when you train your mind to stay in the moment, you, you, you're ready for the job at hand. Now, a lot of people forget this attribute, this, this... Did they forget to do it? Did they forget to prepare the mind coming into the fight? There's a lot. I go back to, again, Lee Clayton. It's a lot like him. His mind was not trained. He forgot to train his mind because he was so bothered about everything else. And you can focus too much on, on the physical side of training, and you forget the mental side. And if you forget that, you're going to underperform. Well, let's look at let's look at a little bit of history here and look at who it's happened to in the past. And uh, one fight that stands out in my mind was Lennox Lewis versus Oliver McCall. Yeah, Oliver McCall was obviously going through a lot of personal issues at the time. He fought Lennox for the second time. And I've never seen it again since the fact that he broke down in tears in the ring. And that just is what you're saying is testament to what happened there. Because if you don't train yourself mentally, it's not just a physical game, it's a mental game as well. That's it. That's it. It's like you see, you do, to be fair, you see so many careers blossom. And then, then you'll see an attitude change. For example, Mike Tyson. He comes up humble as anything. This little, well, big, big little heavyweight, <laughs> most stocky as anything, with, with, with a little with a little lisp, and he's dead innocent, and, and, and he's humble as anything. And then once he gets there, he's turned into this monster, and it's, he's let it get to his head, and he's self-destructed in some respects. It's like, if you look at Javante Davis now, mm, yeah. I'm a massive fan, a massive fan. He's a southpaw, but he's got like, that Mayweather style. And I'll be honest, I study him a lot, Giovanni Davis, even though he's a little bit younger than me. Um, now, he, he's showing signs of becoming that, the, the one everyone hates. He's showing signs, and people will blame Floyd Mayweather because they might think Floyd Mayweather's putting him up to it, but it's so much fame surrounding him now. Now he's come out as a world champion, and there's so many cameras on him, he's letting it get to his head a little bit, and. He's one of those kids who could stay undefeated for a long time, but if he keeps going the way he is, he will take a loss. It's a fact. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the tip of the day, really. For anybody that's in the game, uh, if they don't, you know, already think about these factors, you need to think about draining your mind mentally because it is anything. You know what? Not even just in boxing. Get get, get a bit philosophical here and say that's that it. I'm big. I'm big on it. I'm I know you are, it. and that's why I'm sort of referring to it in the fact that you know people go through issues in life and, and it, is, it is all mind over matter and you can train your body to be an absolute machine but if your mind's not in the right place you're gonna you're gonna fall um so yeah no there, there you go F- philosophical quotes of the day well, well, well mate basically it's like when they when they go out for the run they can they can reflect on 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 the life while they're doing the run when they, when they hit the gym in the boxing gym when they go home for example, if you're a professional athlete, don't go home and watch Coronation Street. Don't go home and watch what everybody else is watching. When you're relaxing at home after training, that's your time to train your mind. 
go and look at this all the philosophy and, and all 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 the spiritual you don't have to be like people see spiritual stuff as you know strange people it's not that at all it, you can gain a lot from it in in your mind and, and in in your heart and you become a better person from studying it so my advice to anyone especially at professional level you have to be a professional in every sense of the, of the word you do your training you go home when you're relaxing don't watch the only way is Essex. Do not watch that because you're gaining nothing from it. And if you're serious about your pro career, you will go home and you'll you'll train your mind to be the best professional boxer you can be or in any sport. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, moving on. So that was the that was the bowling show on Friday. Uh, we move on to Saturday night. Uh, I was I was there in attendance. I was ringside. Um, after our chat last week about breaking doors down and There's getting no on coincidences a, <laughs> in life, I'm telling you. Getting on a matchroom it show. It was meant to be that. It actually turned out that I did have an accreditation for the matchroom show for Liverpool, which was fantastic. So I went there um, with young Luke Madeira, for, who, who writes for Behind the Gold. Uh, we went there together. It was a good, you know, good little trip, good little chat on the way there and back. Um, but for me personally, it was a good experience to be in a, a bigger, a bigger show like that and see how it all works and see how it all works behind the TV. Because you know, I've only ever either been in the crowd in the sticks or I've I've watched it on TV. I've never been that close to the ring on a, such a big show like that. So it was good to be there. It was good to kind of see all the um, all the Sky Sports guys, you know, all the former boxers now turn pundits. It was good to kind of be mixing within that, that crowd. Uh, the show itself, um, I think it got a bit of a mixed bag of reviews from what I was reading about a couple of de- in a couple of days after the show. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. I think Paul Butler saved it a little bit. Do you, do you think? Because a lot of people, you know what, I'll, I'll interrupt you there and say, a lot of people slagged that fight off and no. a lot of people didn't no. didn't want to no. see it. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now, what you won't have seen on the telly is a lot of people left before that fight. But obviously when, you, when you're a cameraman, they do a very good job of being able to show parts of the crowd which makes it look a lot fuller than what it is, which is their job to do that. But in reality, what happened when it was there, you could see that the seats were, were sort of flailing away and, and people were going because they weren't interested because they, they thought it was going to be a poor bottle shutout and it was. But the thing is, from a boxing purist point of view, I give Paul Butler a good 9 out of 10. I'll never give anyone a 10 like, but <laughs> to be honest with you, but it was impressive. Yeah. I, I could go home now and watch that again. I'll go home and watch that again. I will do, because he did everything he needed to do against what was in front of him. Boxing, you don't just go in and do... Don't get me wrong, some people do just go in and do their thing. Let's say they come forward, pressure fighter, they can just go in and do their thing against anyone. But when you're a Paul Butler, you've got you've got the IQ in, in a boxing sense and you've got, you've got to see what's in front of you. And take it from there. Now for me, I was very impressed with Paul Butler because it was like a classic boxer versus I come forward with the greatest respect, plod, plodder type fighter. His footwork isn't the best haul and it was a great game plan by, well I'm guessing Joe Gallagher. He came up with it but I think I think after fighters in that gym, you'd be able to guess what game plan they needed against Stuart Hall. Now, for me, the reason I'm impressed so much is because He'll get his shots off. He was he was showing him a jab, not necessarily stinging him with a jab. He was showing him the jab to keep him thinking, keep him from not thinking about what he's throwing, but what what Paul Butler's doing. He was uh, hypnotising him with with with, with his rangey with his rangey jab. 
putting it in his face. Now, then he'll get his shots off, and then he'll move his feet. He'll keep Stuart Hall off balance. Then he'll, he'll, he'll get his shots off again, move his feet. But also, with, with Stuart Hall being a taller man with a tight guard, what you also need to do against that, if you're a little bit smaller than him, is pick his body. So he's, he's picking his body with a right hand to the body, and then he's putting him over the top and catching him while he's dropping his hands. But not only that, with those right hands to the body against the bigger man and the come-forward fighter who's supposedly meant to come on late in the fight, then the right hands to the body will ultimately slow him down towards the end of the fight. And also, Paul Butler, he, he countered off Stuart Hall's jab brilliantly. He used Stuart Hall's jab to do his own work. He slipped it, body, head, parried it, right hand, etc, 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 and then he moved. I kept him off balance, and for me, Paul Butler was brilliant. And although Stuart all rallied a little bit, he was coasting really, and, and it was an easy night. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> I really enjoyed the... Um, I really enjoyed Paul Butler. I thought he did a really, really good job of dismantling Hall I thought I thought Hall looked very much his age that, on that night and we said it last week you know unless Hall's got one last hurrah in him Paul Butler's gonna gonna cruise it and he did and he did it in emphatic fashion I mean he didn't stop him I didn't think he would stop Hall to be honest with you but what I did think is that he would outbox him and he just he just did that he did exactly that it was it was punch perfect in, in the sense of he did what exactly what he had to do against the style that was in front of him that's why I was so impressed with him what do you think about the fact that they're talking about putting him in uh against Jamie McDonnell I mean Jamie McDonnell's actually the uh, WBA bantamweight champion which is what Paul Butler's just now become mandatory for that's a brilliant fight because you've got a similar style to Stuart Hall but a better fighter Jamie McDonnell's a better fighter than Stuart Hall in my opinion he throws more punches he's a volume puncher that is a great fight because with Paul Butler suspectedly tying up in the last couple of rounds of a fight Jamie McDonald won't. He'll keep going. He'll keep. He'll keep throwing six, seven, eight, eight, eight shots at you, and he may just overhaul Paul Butler. But early on in the fight, you've got Paul Butler boxing and moving, maybe even making it look easier. But then the second half of the fight will be a different half. It'll, it'll be a game of two halves. It'll be Paul Butler. Then it'll be Jamie McDonald coming on strong. And you're looking at a split decision either way. <laughs> Early predictions already, here, I'm telling you. you. Maybe even controversial. You might have a 118, 110 out there. It, it depends <laughs> on whether or not uh, McDonald moves up. That's also been talked about as well. I tell you what, though. I hope those two fight. Because now you mention it, that is a brilliant fight. It's a brilliant fight. That, hopefully that happens. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, moving on to what else was on the card? Some some decent some decent fights actually. Uh, one one of the standout performances um, for me, uh, which is the one I'm excited to talk about, which was Masha Dodd uh, and Tom Stalker. Um, my opinion, I'll give you it first yep. before I let you get on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I really really enjoyed that fight. I really enjoyed. Masha Dodd and his no nonsense come forward style. It doesn't always look very effective, but it is very effective. And it, it kind of took away the complete pedigree of Stalker. I mean, Stalker had some great successful moments in the fight, and he did catch Masha Dodd with a few, and he, he did mark his eye up. So, you know, he did get a lot of success himself, but 
Masha Dodd looked the eye catcher. Masha Dodd looked the aggressor all the way through the fight. And, you know, the judges scored it. I think he was at 118, 110, was yeah, it? Yeah, it, I might think. Have, it might have been 111, possibly. 117, 111, I think, possibly as well. Um, but I think he deserved it. And he, he, he's really sort of. I, I hate to say rags, but yeah, he hit a rags to Richie's story and, and his story's continuing to go. Uh, Eddie Hearn, when I interviewed Eddie Hearn afterwards, what he actually said was he doesn't, he didn't know where the story started and he doesn't know where it's going to end. And, and, you know, he's right in what he says because I don't know where the story started and, you know, hopefully we will get him on here in a couple of weeks because after last week's podcast obviously Danny Kelly who you, you yeah, give a shout yeah, out yeah, to yeah. you know part of the uh, Masha Dog training team suggested him to come on this which would be fantastic because I think it'll be great to hear that story but going back to his fight with Stalker how, how did, how, when it first started out how did you see it going honestly well, I'll tell you something now from a tactical point of view although he did bring his come forward style that was the best he's ever boxed in his life but the first round, I was sat there, and Tom Stalker, southpaw, he had his right foot on the outside of Sean Dodd, which is where Sean Dodd doesn't want to be. He had Sean Dodd moving to Sean Dodd's right like crazy. So the first round, I think Tom Stalker might have even nicked it, and I was watching it thinking, oh no, this isn't good. If this, if you're a Sean Dodd fan. It's not good, sorry, should I say. <laughs> now, because he was moving around to his right, his, his lead foot's on the inside of Tom Stalker's lead foot. Tom Stalker being a southpaw, you do not want to be there as a right-hander. And I think he might have nicked the first round, Tom Stalker. From a, from a Sean Dodd point of view, I thought, you need to change this quick, otherwise it's going one way. And you're going to get outboxed. He's going to stay on the outside of you. He's going to dominate with his right hand. He's going to stick his right hook over your left jab. He can just move around to his right, get round you, and he's going to send you round to his left, your right, and he's going to hit you with a left hand all day. That was evident in the first round, but then I think Danny Keller in his corner, in between rounds, I think they sorted it out because he came out the next round, and from then on it was playing sailing because he had his lead foot on the outside of his. He was coming in with a right hand, right hand. And when you're right-hander against a southpaw, you ought to be leading with that right hand. Yeah. Forget, forget your jab at times. Step in, right hand. Because what you do there is you stop the right-hander from going round to his right because he doesn't really want to go round to his left. The, uh, the, the left-hander, sorry. The southpaw does not want to go round to his left if he can go round to his right and dominate you from the outside. Now, from round two onwards, Sean Dodd, tactically, he sorted it out very quickly and then it was only one person's fight throughout then. Tom Stalker did... He rallied a little bit at times, but for me, the tale of the whole story was there's one kid in Sean Dodd sticking to a game plan and the other kid in Tom Stalker, the game plan's gone out the window because I know for a fact Paul Smith in commentary actually gave away Vaughn's, his trainer, Vaughn, his game plan. And in the first round, he stuck to it. He won it. Every other round, he got too emotionally involved we go back to the mindset thing yep. with the occasion he yep. got too emotionally involved Sean Dodd wound him up at the weigh and stuff Sean Dodd was not emotionally involved only after the final bell in the fight Sean Dodd was focused on nothing but sticking to the game plan Tom Stalker let it get to him and he made a mess of it in my opinion because he had the reach the stance 
Southpaw for me is an advantage over a right hander if you use it. But he did not use it. Sean Dodd did everything he needed to do, and it was a great performance by him. Yeah, do you think he Starker at the pedigree as well? He did. It, it, and and you're looking at spells and you're frustrated because he could do it if he didn't let the emotion get to him. If he didn't let the occasion get to him, he could do it. If you put them in sparring and there's no one there and Tom Starker's not bothered at all about the occasion, you might see a different fight. You might just see Tom Starker outbox Sean Dodd. It sounds mad because Sean Dodd's beating 118-110 convincingly, but it's because he, he was focused on fight night. Yeah. And it is a tale of one kid, humble as anything, Sean Dodd, not saying Tom Starker isn't, but he stuck to the game plan. He didn't get emotionally involved. The other kid did quite the opposite. Therefore, what could have been a great fight ended up a one-way fight in favour of Sean Dodd. So, yeah, so no, it was uh, it was great. And obviously, Sean Dodd, you know, hopefully he'll be on here in a couple of weeks. Um, it'll be good to get him on and we'll have a, we'll have a good grilling of him, actually, when he comes on. Um Tom Stark has gone on social media and put a bit of a, I wouldn't even say it was a, an ominous post or a cryptic post. It is. It looks like he, he possibly is going to be retiring. Well, he's age 33. You can't say he's not had a good career. He was captain of the Team GB in the Olympics, yep. which is not bad at all by any stretch of the imagination. And... He's had some great fights as a pro, to be fair, although he's not lived up to the expectation that everyone had for him. Maybe he turned pro a little bit too late and didn't get time to adapt to the pro style. Therefore, they threw him in these fights and he's not quite been able to catch up with a pro game. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened. And Sean Dodd also questioned Tom Stalker's ability to fight, never mind box, but fight. And with him not sticking to the game plan, it could just be an emotional thing, but a temperamental thing might be involved with him as well. Like, they knew. They knew he was not sticking to his game plan. Coming into the fight, Sean Dodd knew, this guy's not going to do what they tell him to. I've been beat. So, they they possibly know him better than than we do, and they knew that was going to happen, but... He's had a good career, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, if he, if he does decide to retire, then fair play to him, because at the end of the day, he's done what other people will never achieve in their lives. He might have not got the success in the pros that he wanted, that he set out to get, but the success in the amateurs is second to none, and you can't argue with that. So if he, if he does decide to retire, you know, fair play to him. Congratulations on the career you've had. Um, moving on. So another performance which I was surprised at oh no I wouldn't say surprised I'm, I'm saying that wrong a fight that I didn't expect to be as quick as it was was Rocky Fielding and David Brophy yeah now this might be a little bit controversial this but although it was a round one knockout I wasn't actually impressed with what I've seen and I'll tell you why now now Rocky Fielding he's tall as anything he's got a rangy jab he should just use it. You know he's got vulnerabilities. Into, well, you can't say vulnerabilities. He's only been knocked out once, like, but he can be hurt. Um, now, when he was throwing his jab, his left jab, he wasn't getting it back to where it should be. He was dropping it down to his stomach and it was a sloppy jab, even in round one. You can forgive someone if they're doing it in round eight, but in round one, you shouldn't be dropping your hand when you're throwing the jab. He's falling in a little bit, but forget the falling in the, the throwing a jab out and dropping it you can throw a right hand counter over that easily literally easily and in the first 40 seconds 
Brofa, he did do that. He, poured, he threw his jab out, he dropped his left hand, Brofa stuck a right hand over the top, pushed him back onto the ropes, and then even worse, from a tactical point of view, Rocky Fielding has got his back to the ropes, and he's swinging back while he's on the ropes, and he's swinging him from his, from his waist. If that was a big, and he got caught with another old ram right, if that, David Brof is not a big puncher. No, he's not. He isn't. If that was a big puncher, there would have been a, he, Rocky Fielding would have been on the wrong end of a round one knockout, possibly, because he needs to, if he wants to climb the ladder, which they're talking about, he needs to tidy that up quite quickly. Hopefully, that his trainers will see that, because it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. You can look at the result on, on, on say, Boxrec, round one knockout, oh, he's blitzed him. It wasn't all, it wasn't all that either, and to be honest with you, Brophy. Well, to be honest, I think my nana might have been able to box to a decision to him against against him on, on, <laughs> on Saturday. But my nana can do a bit like, but but he just didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't fancy it when, when he felt one back. He was almost running away, turning away. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect. No, but no. We're not, we're not suggesting that he quit there. We, what we're suggesting is that I think when the when, when the tough comparing the tough to got going, compare him to Tom yeah, Farrell. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you had a bit of Tom Farrell about him, then it, it wouldn't have ended in round one. No. And um, for me, the letdown of the bill was that round one knockout. It won't be to, to to Rocky Fielding's fans. You want, as a fan, you want it done as quick as possible. But from a boxing person's point of view, that was to say it was like sort of the main event. That was a bit of a letdown, in my opinion. Uh, well, funnily enough, he, he wasn't. It was actually about the third, third from the top of the bill, uh, or fourth from the top of the bill, even um, that particular fight. So I was, I was surprised it, it lasted as long as it did. But then again, am I surprised? I mean, I think he got, he, Brophy got caught cold. Uh, Fielding got caught cold, and Fielding was just lucky that Brophy wasn't as big of a, of a puncher as. You know, maybe like what Callum Smith was when Callum Smith knocked him out. Yeah, he yeah. did exactly the same tactics as we did against Brophy against Callum Smith, and that and he got he got exposed for that. Like I said last week, yeah. when he got exposed against Callum Smith, so they're talking of European honours for for Fielding now, um, which I think I think it's a good step in the right direction for Fielding. I do, I, I, but if he continues to to sort of drop his hands, he's going to get caught. And we're gonna we're gonna see him get knocked out again, which I wouldn't want to see. But I'm sure the guys will go back and look at that and think actually, you know, there's something a little bit different we need to do he, for the next one. He definitely needs to polish the style up a little bit because the size of him, he's a big frame, he's dangly as it is. He's also a little bit square on. His back was against the ropes. Don't don't be messing about there. Look after yourself there. Come off and then stand right right back in front of your opponent. Now he needs to. I think he should. Um, Go a bit more side on for my liking, and use his jab. They won't get near him. They will not get near him if he does that. He's opening up. He's showing him all his body, and like a, like a, I highlighted the mistakes in my opinion. Anyway, people might disagree, but the mistakes in my opinion. And if he does climb that ladder, if he's in with a hard puncher, he will not get away with it. If they pick him a fight where he's in with a decent boxer but who can't necessarily punch. Then he will. He'll go and win that title. But if he's in with a banger, don't be surprised if if he's in for a tough night. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, eh? Uh, moving on, uh, the one of the fights which was um, 
I wouldn't say was controversial, but was controversial in some respects. Uh, O'Hara Davis uh, beating Tom Farrell uh, over six rounds in a very one-sided fight and quite a brutal, quite a brutal fight, especially for Tom Farrell. Um, my opinion on that fight: I was obviously ringside. I, I, um, I seen that first punch, that knocking down, going, and I thought, that's it, it's over. And he, you know, credit to Tom Farrell, yeah. and I've, I've tweeted this to him actually. And he, you know, he, he acknowledged the fact that I said he had some big balls to get up and continue on for as long as he did. I, I, you know, well, fair play to him for doing that. I think the corner should have pulled him out after round two, after he took another two knockdowns. I don't think they should have let him carry on. I think they should have just called it, called it a day. I mean, obviously, I know as a fighter you don't want that to happen. That's the last thing you want to happen. You want to continue on, but I always sort of say. You know, you've seen evidence of, of, of issues over the years where Nigel Benn and Gerald McClellan, and look at what's happened to McClellan because of the fact that they didn't acknowledge the, some of the issues that he was, you know, he was having in the ring at the time and some of the signs that he was injured. Now, unfortunately, Tom Farrell didn't get injured and he went for a routine checkup after the after the fight and it was fine. But you know, as you know yourself, with the experiences you've had yeah. with Kieran. You know, he never shown any signs that there was an issue until after the fight, and that's why I feel personally for that fight, the corner should have pulled him out after round two. Yeah, well, I know from first hand. See, when you grow up, you don't ever start. You don't grow up loving boxing with any bad injury on your mind. It's almost impossible until it maybe happens to you, and that was the case with me and Kieran. Now, with Kieran's fight against Andy Crawler, you can ask him yourself. He was not phased by Andy Crawler's power whatsoever. In, in fact, it was totally the opposite. He could take Andy Crawler's shot, and he actually said himself, it, when he was feeling his shots, the ones that did land, it was like, I'm not bothered about this one bit. Not one bit. It's no disrespect to anyone, by the way. But And then Kieran goes and has a brain injury. So he, that's how easily it can happen. Yeah. Kieran was a bit um, tight, tight at the weight and did the weight slightly wrong. Not through his own fault, to be honest with you, but his nutrition going into the fight, in my opinion, wasn't up to scratch compared to what it normally would have been. Um, but he came did ten rounds. He, he, he lost a controversial points decision, although some of the judges' scorecards was a bit, a bit crazy that night. Um, so, and then he goes and has a brain injury, Kieran. Now, compare that to that fight at the weekend. Come on, a bit of common sense needs to come in, into it because at the end of the day, what we learned first and me and my family is there is so much more to life than boxing. Although we love boxing, the reason we're, we're sat here now is to promote boxing, yeah, to talk about boxing because we do all love it. And it, look at me and Kieran, what happened to him, what happened to the family, and we're still here. We are still here because once you love boxing, you love boxing, but a little common sense has to prevail sometimes. They look like two different weights then on Saturday because Awara Davis is a big, big guy, a big, big puncher. And Tom Farrell, that was his first step up, his first step up, yeah, pretty much his first step up and, and he stepped up into deep water in hindsight. Now, the, ref, the referee as well, the referee as well, they, they, they tend to get it in the heads that, oh, it's a Sky Sports show, we need to let this go on. No, you don't at all. If it lasts a round, it lasts a round. Tom Farrell's got a career ahead of him. Thankfully, he still has. 
because looking at that fight it might not be the case yeah. it might have been totally different and his family's heartbroken because he's got a big big long recovery stage to go through now it, it really it frustrated me that it was but the only one thing I'd say in 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 favour of the ref and in favour of his corner is there was like two rounds where he started coming back into it because <laughs> he's got a massive heart and yeah. fair play yeah, to him for yeah. that but still he's not a big puncher he's not getting back into it properly he was trying his best to get back into it he was trying to stick to a bit of boxing but O'Hara Davies was laughing at him and smiling at him you've got to have a bit of common sense and pull the kid out and let him fight another day yeah. thankfully he will fight another day but he might not go into the ring the same man ever again because that was that that was that was a a tough tough experience for him to, for him to experience, and it really did uh, it wound me up a little bit. It was his first loss as well, so he not only did he lose, he lost in quite emphatic fashion. Uh, it wasn't like he just got caught cold, and that was the end of the fight, and that was over. He got he got caught numerous occasions, and he took a lot of big digs. He did. Some of them he couldn't, and he had to get down. He had to go down, or some of them flattened, literally flattened him that first one. Like I said, I was sat yards away from it, and I thought it was over. I thought he knocked him clean out, and I thought, oh my god! Wow. I don't know how he got up. I do not know how he got up from that first knockdown. He hit the deck heavy, and fair play to him. Now, don't get me wrong; we don't mind seeing it in Rocky movies. We love watching it in Rocky movies because it's not real in real life. I don't want to see it. Like as you know, Sean, I'm a boxing purist. I'd love to see a 12-round boring fight, as some people may say. These ones that get absolutely savage and should be put to a halt they should be because it's real life Yeah. and I don't care how many people are tuning in and how many people are sat in a crowd for their entertainment there's a kid's life it, people go in the ring and risk their life and you don't you don't play with people's lives like that you know what I mean yeah. it, it, it did it brought me memories back to back to 2012 like obviously as you know I've been affected by 2012 yeah. with Kieran's brain injury and uh, uh, we're all we've all moved on as a family but when you see something like that and it, <laughs> funny enough it was our namesake Farrell, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's taking a beating like that. I didn't like seeing that at all. No, um, I didn't either. And, and fair play to, um, I'll give O'Hara Davis credit for that. Uh, what he what he was saying after the fight because, you know, we gave him a bit of sit last week because of the way he, he's been acting of recent times. But after the fight, he actually came across like the O'Hara Davis of old, and he gave respect to his opponent, and he was very humble about his performance, and that's what I wanted to see from him, and I was happy with that. Uh, and and fair play, obviously, to to, to Farrell's team, you know, getting him to the hospital, making sure he was all right. I wish they would have pulled him out a little bit sooner, yeah. but I think, you know, they've they've got away with that one, and I think they should they should take a long hard look and think about. You know, if that was to ever happen in the future, the, you know they need to reassess. What at what point do you pull a fighter out? That's it. I mean, before the Josh Taylor fight with O'Hara Davis, everyone was talking about him being fringe world world level, fringe world class level, and you've got Tom Farrell taking a first step up. So, O'Hara Davis was big favourite going into it, but I think what you're finding with O'Hara Davis now, I think everyone needs to just get off his back a little bit. He's what you'd call weird and wonderful. That, that's what you that's what you describe O'Hara Davis as. He's not a bad guy. He's just trying to promote himself. He's not a bad guy at all. And it's like when when I suggested that he may have quit, I think what he did was he just did O'Hara Davis. He, that night, you could call it quitting, but the, the kid can fight. The kid can fight. He's not a quitter. He just he just. He, Michael Gomez did it once. Now you wouldn't call Michael Gomez a quitter in well, a boxing ring, would no, you? No, no. He was in an Irish title fight once. I think it was against. 
think it was Peter McDonough. I think it was Peter McDonough. I think Michael Gomez might have been in winning the fight, but because you describe Michael Gomez as weird and wonderful as well, and they have a mind of their own and they do what they want, he just turned around and walked off and got out of the ring in the Irish title fight. Now, you wouldn't call Michael Gomez a quitter. I think it's similar to O'Hara Davis. We're not all we're not all fully sane. <laughs> he has his own world. He does have his own, and I think he described that as well. He does have his own world, and I think you just gotta uh, take him as, as as he is and just uh, hold back on a stick from now on. Yeah, I really, I really, I did from a from a boxing purist perspective. I enjoyed his performance. I felt he he, he shown that he was a couple of levels above Farrell in that fight and Farrell will need to go back to the drawing board um, reassess the situation come back and, and, and maybe you know hopefully he won't just go back in with somebody that is going to be able to beat nine times out of well ten times out of ten hopefully he'll go in with somebody that you know not maybe as good as O'Hara Davis but not that far away because he need, he's going to need to go back in and get his confidence back now that's it fight for some domestic titles against the domestic level you know a certified domestic level fighter and then his career's back up and running and it will blossom but um, Awara Davis like we said we mentioned he was a little bit fringe world world, world level a, a couple of fights ago everyone was talking about that it just doesn't go after you have a, a tough fight with Josh Taylor he's another world world champion in the making so yeah it was a bit it was a bit it wasn't too happy with that, with that, with that fight but at the same time if he wanted the fight he got the fight but look after him as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where O'Hara Davis goes from here because um, we've got the British uh, light welterweight title being contested in a couple of weeks with Tyrone Nurse and Jack Cattrall. And Davis, you know, could he be aligned for a shot at that? I'd like to see him fight either of those two fighters. Um, I think O'Hara Davis versus Nurse would be an interesting one because they're both tricky customers. Uh, They've got a lot of beef as well, by the way. I never knew yeah, that. I've got a lot. Of, well, O'Hara Davis started it. <laughs> to be fair, I think he got a bit of jealous of Tyrone Nurse's British title, etc. And um, there's a big online. I think Tyrone Nurse's dad got involved. And Chris Aston, yeah. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big online de- debate, shall we say. So there you go. There's, there's definitely blood between them two. Bad blood, so to speak, between them two. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the only the only thing with that is, obviously, the promotional side of things might be an issue in getting, getting that fight together with, obviously, one of them being under Matt Trim and one of them being under Frank Warren's Queensbury yeah. and Box Nation. So possibly that might not happen. And what then Eddie Hearn will probably do with O'Hara Davis is put him in for like a WBC international That's or it. something he'll like that skip, he'll just skip it all he'll skip all that he'll put him in that he'll get him a world ranking and then see that's the way some people are going you, at the moment you've got boxing like some people are going the the, the, the normal routes so, shall we say um, like Central Area etc English British um, European etc some people are going that way but Eddie Earn seems to just go for these international versions of these world titles and, and they seem to be going that way at the moment but he's had a lot of success doing it Eddie Hearns it's, it's like you say though it's a quick way to get on the rankings and unless you want to go down the traditional route of uh, you, you know like your, your domestic titles like your Commonwealth your British your Europeans then your Worlds 
he's a good way of getting Eddie is a promoter and he knows how to talk he knows how to sell a fight and if he can get someone into the world rankings and potentially get them a world title fight which is going to earn them a lot of money and him the money in the same sense he's going to go down that route that's his job so we'll see what happens though Harry Davis I'll be interested to see where he sort of goes next um, another fight which was quite interesting on the card which he said he was looking forward to uh, was Natasha Jonas well to be fair, like you spoke about them eventually setting up a fight against Katie Taylor. I think I think you've got a don't get me wrong, she's a southpaw. And I'm I'm a southpaw, or was a southpaw, and I love a southpaw. I'm very biased in it, to be honest with you, I am very biased towards a southpaw. And uh, she's tidy as anything. In fact, her style sounds a bit daftist. It reminds me a bit of Terry Flanagan. She has a nice high guard, she she little pit of pat of footwork, she gets her shots off, she comes away, she pulls away with a little pit, pit of pat of footwork, and she goes back in, and it's very similar to Terry Flanagan's to be fair. She's nice and tidy, but like you said, they've got to build that Katie Taylor fight up, do not rush it, because at the moment Katie Taylor since she turned pro has gone come on leaps and bounds, even though she was already amazing, she's now better and better and better. And at the moment that fight is not happening. You've got to let Natasha Jonas improve into her career until you can start talking about that, in my opinion. Well, they're putting Jonas in with uh, a Katie Taylor fo- uh, former foe. Um, I can't remember what's her name. Kaplinska? Uh, someone Katie Taylor boxed recently and, and, and beat in, in good fashion. And that's who Jonas's next opponent is. So it's interesting that they're putting her in with somebody who Katie Taylor's recently fought. And I think he's definitely trying to go the way of building that fight, probably for next year sometime. Um, but... On the other side of the coin, I can always say, uh, with women's boxing, there isn't a massive pool of talent like there is in men's. So you probably are going to see yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of, you know, Katie Taylor's a, bit, a little bit of a head. Well, she's a bit ahead of um, Jonas at the moment. So whoever Katie Taylor fights next may end up fighting Jonas the fight after because there's yeah, not a lot yeah, of people yeah. to fight yeah. to choose from in, in, the, in the particular weight. So you're kind of struggling in that sense. Just think, just think with Katie Taylor getting a head start on her in a pro career I know the opposition's not all not all that sometimes and, and you, you, it will be fast tracked and stuff but with the training that she's had with a new trainer etc she looks amazing Katie Taylor I'm a massive fan of Katie Taylor and I won't even make the fight next year they might do but if that happens I'd favour Katie Taylor quite heavily, if I'm honest with you, even though I'm a fan of Natasha Jonas. I think you're probably referring that, like I just said there, because there's not that big of a division and yeah. that depth in the division that you're probably going to find is going to happen sooner rather than later, yeah, which yeah. is not what we want to see in terms of progression in both levels. Um, but if they don't make it, it might never happen and you know we might never see it. So we'll see what happens with that one. Anyway, she put a punch-perfect performance on against her opponent on Saturday night. Um, she picked her shots really well. Uh, I thought it was it was good for her. It was good to see her. I don't think she... I don't think she, I don't even remember her taking any significant shots from her opponent, no, to be no, honest. No, no, no. <laughs> That's it. It's, uh, you can't really criticise or critique. You can't critique yeah. it. You just can't, really. Uh, she, have, she'll have tougher spars. She probably spars with a few men and stuff like that. She'll have tougher spars. You're probably best going down to the gym and watching a spa if they let you in. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see that if, if they let me in. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there was a couple of other fights on the card, um, which I, I'm not going to go into too much detail on them, um, just because I didn't actually get to see them myself, but I did see the, the results. Um, well, actually, sorry, sorry, I'm telling you a lie. I did see Anthony Fowler's performance, um, and Anthony Fowler's performance was very good against a very durable Jay Byrne. Yeah, um, I think Jay Byrne was it something like five and two, so he's pretty much a novice pro. Um, and when you're talking about Anthony Fowler, who's he's touted, is he was a top amateur, is I'd say an amateur star to be honest with you. Um, and big things are expected off Anthony Fowler. I think he's three and all with three knockouts now. It's the same again. What I would say in a positive note is he was relaxed, he was focused. The occasion, the stadium didn't get to him at all. Um, he take, took everything in his stride, which to be fair, he always has done even when he was a young amateur. Yeah. He, he was very composed. Um, but again, you're going to have to see him in against higher opposition before you can start critiquing him. Yeah, it was a good fight. I'm looking forward to him. He's back out on the Joshua Pulev on the card. Uh, so he's back out pretty quickly. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what who they put him in against and, and how he does there. Um, other fights on the card, Derek Chisora uh, was in a bit of a, a ball fest, a stink fest, I like to call it. Um, it was actually funny because I was on the way to Liverpool when that fight was on and I was going through Liverpool Town Centre at the time. It was on, I was watching it on Facebook Live in the car and... I was watching the, you know the best bit about Facebook Live is the comments that you get in it and there was one partic- there was one particular comment that absolutely made me wet myself and it was um, because there was a lot of hugging going on in that fight and obviously Chisora was in control all the way through it and he enjoyed it he was just a bit of ring rust as they say ring, he was just shaking yeah, yeah. off he was just getting back into it but the opponent wasn't much to really judge him by one particular comment that really got me was um, it was something along the lines of uh, this fight looks like two men at the end of a night out fighting over the last piece of kebab meat <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you mate I'm glad that I missed it by the sounds of these comments um, you can get a little bit of that with Derek Sejora sometimes um, it's like when, when, when he boxed Dillian White great fight but you're not always going to get that with him especially if, if he's in cruise control if that's if that was the case yeah, yeah, I, was. Didn't, I didn't see the no, fight he, he was very much in cruise control he, through that he, one. he's not he's looking he's not looking to impress anyone really these days he just like let's get this win let's get out of here please make me that big fight for the, yeah, for, for the money yeah. that's basically that's the what we said last week though weren't it we said yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. just looking to get a big fight so he was just back on the card to get yeah, yeah. a few rounds under his belt give it him quick <laughs> give, give, give him the big fight quick so we don't have to watch more of that uh, other notable fights Scott Fitzgerald picked up a win and so did Craig Glover but again I didn't see him so it's hard to sort of say how them performances went I've seen a little bit of um, Scott Fitzgerald uh, he's boxed Daryl Sharp before Scott Fitzgerald and what I do know about him is he, he can bang He's definitely strong. Daryl got out that night. Um, it was a bit of a mess that night. They ended up boxing at about half twelve at night, one in the morning, something like that. It was a bit crazy. Um, I think they both warmed up about seven times each and then kept getting knocked back. Um, but on that particular night, Daryl jumped out and he, he said his ears were ringing. He can bang a little bit, Scott Fitzgerald. My only criticism would be he can also get caught. Um, but he's, he seems to be one of those guys. He doesn't, he, he doesn't mind. Now, although he has been dropped... Can't remember the lad who dropped him, but he has been dropped before as well. So uh, maybe he, he maybe needs to drop the the, the blood and guts uh, attitude a little bit as well. But you, you can't ask everyone to 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 to, to box to box smart either. Um, some people love that. And what he did do well against Bradley Price was 
Although he got caught with the uppercut quite a few times because he's he's got a high guard and he's putting his, his chin down. He is um, open to that uppercut. But what he did do well when he got in front of Bradley Price, it was, it was Hatton-esque. It was Ricky Hatton-esque. The way he opened up the angles, you could tell he's been studying him. Uh, he he stepped round to the, he stepped round to his left. He, he ripped the right uppercut up. He stepped round to his right, and he was opening up Bradley Price his defence because Bradley Price he, um, he was tucking up well because I think he was a uh, a bit fearful of Fitzgerald's uh, power. In the end, he got him out. But what I was impressed with about Scott Fitzgerald was the way he moved his feet to open up the angles and sneak his shots in. That was the best thing about him at the weekend. Yeah, well, we got to see him in action again soon. Uh, I'm sure he'll be getting a date for that one soon. So that was pretty much rounds up um, the the biggest British shows yeah, yeah. Uh, of the weekend. Um, I'd just obviously take a, another minute just to talk about the podcast sponsors, which is Cheer Protein Bar again. I'll give him sponsorship every single week because they've they've got this podcast up and running. And if it wasn't for their uh, generosity in getting the podcast equipment, we wouldn't be sat here doing it, and we wouldn't have sat here getting seven and a half thousand views in the past week. Uh, seven and a half thousand listens. That is sorry. That's so obviously, again, thanks to them, and, and and you know I'll be picking some leaflets up this week from them. Uh, so if there's anybody. You know that once a leaflet, you know, get in touch with me, let me know, I'll pass them on. Or you can just find them on Facebook or Instagram at Cheer Protein Bar. Um, great guys, great food, uh, get you fit, get on it. So, moving back on to the weekend's action, uh, the biggest fight this weekend is Anthony Crawler and Ricky Burns. That's it. Um, it's a whoever wins goes on, whoever doesn't may sit and have a think about where they go from here because they've both done it they have both done it um, I favour Anthony Crawler because Ricky Burns is a slow starter a lot of the time he does start slow so I think the way the fight will go is Anthony Crawler will he'll, he'll keep in that tight shell he'll move his feet he'll keep his chin down he'll pick Ricky Ricky Burns apart in the first half of, of the fight and then usually Ricky Burns would come back into it and make it a war of a fight. But with him having to make the weight, and now I don't care if he says, my weight's fine, no problem whatsoever, he's not going to come on and say, I'm absolutely knackered at the weight. <laughs> now, I believe it will be a factor in terms of Andy Crawler having a, a cosy, not cosy night, Ricky Burns will always bring a fight. He's a tough dude, free weight world champion. Um, but I think... The second half of the fight where Ricky Burns is supposed to start working his way back into it, I think the weight drain will hinder that a little bit and Crawler will be able to pick the odd few rounds late on in the fight and say, box to a decision maybe. I'd, I'd say 117-111, 116-112, something like that. Well, I, I, I said to you last week when we talked about the Crawler Burns fight, I think it depends on what Ricky Burns turns up. And judging by what a lot of people are saying around the circuit at the moment is that he's struggling to make the weight. Now, I interviewed him yesterday. Uh, if you've not caught that, it is on the YouTube channel and shared via the social media channels. He said to me yesterday that his weight's fine. He, you know, I, I'm talk, he said, oh, I'm talking about the weight and, you know, just let everybody know the weight is fine. That, that to me, was the biggest giveaway. Yeah. That he's that not as fine as what he's saying it is. And there is... Yeah, yeah, there yeah, is yeah, slight, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, he looked he, he looked knackered. I mean, I, I looked at him yesterday and he looked knackered. I mean, that could have just been because they've travelled down. But he looked tired. And I thought, 
you know, this, this, he might be struggling to get this weight off it. We'll, we'll, we'll see tomorrow. We'll see. Um, it's Friday tomorrow. It's the weighing day, and that, that will tell us the story yeah. about whether or not he struggled to make this weight. And if he has, I think I think a lot of people are going to heavily favour Crawler for this fight just because Crawler's engine is fantastic, and I think he will put it on him from round one to round number 12. He, he will. He will, but I can. So I, there's a way I'm thinking. Listen, maybe Crawler will do. He's a. He does. He's not got one style really. Crawler. He's got the same, the same stance, same base. But he can rather pick the shot, or he can plow forward. I think he may, he may, he may box Ricky Burns, and and he he may make it a cozy night. And I think. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's more of a fight, and and, and maybe Crawler walks him down, and we see a bit of a, a bit of a, a decent fight. But I've got a bad gut feeling that there's a lot of people not going to be happy with um, with this week's uh, action. Um, not not through um, any fault of Anthony Crawler, but there's a a big possibility that Ricky Burns can underperform, um, and if it turns into one of those one piece or oh, Crawlers will not round, Crawlers will not round. Crawlers won that round. You can be sitting there like, ah, it's not lived up to the billing. England versus Scotland. Let's see a war. I don't think it's gonna quite hit that, hit that billing. Um, I do see Anthony Crawler pinching that round, pinching that round, pinching that round. I don't see too much drama, and I know a lot of people. Ricky Byrne is known for drama. Anthony Crawler, he's known for a lot of drama in his career, and I don't think this fight makes that drama. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe Ricky Burns lands a big shot early on, puts Crawler on the deck, because he has been down before. Then you'll see a better fight. But if it goes the way I'm sort of thinking, I think it'll be like a cosy one for Anthony Crawler. He'll just be ticking away. Won that round, won that round, won that round. Ricky Burns may try to rally, but the weight will stop him from bringing the big comeback. You know what? I tend to kind of agree with what you're saying there, um, because I just feel like... Ricky Burns when I've said to you I've said it a few times it depends on what he turns up and I really do believe that because when he turns up and he's on fire and the weight's right you know he's a good chance he could beat him he's not a freeway world champion for nothing no, no, that's, that's the thing no, he's, great he's not a freeway world champion for nothing and the reason he got that them, them three titles in the different weights was because of the fact that he's a fantastic fighter and he, 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 you know, he's definitely up there as one of Scotland's best ever. Oh um, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Because of his achievements in boxing. But on the other hand, I think that if he if he's struggling with the weight, um, he's going to struggle in the lighter half of the fight. And Crawler is not going to start slow. We know Crawler isn't going to start slow. We know he's going to start fast. He's probably going to pick the early rounds up, as you said. If, if Burns is going to give it a good go, he'll probably be warm into the fight after a few rounds. But then again, we just don't know, do we? Because he might come out tomorrow. And might you might think, well, you know what? I'm gonna struggle with this weight. I ain't gonna make it that far into the into the lighter fight. I'm gonna to have to try and get him out of there if I can. Well, well, you never know. You you you, you just never know. Um, but I feel like I've already watched this fight, and it's crazy. I feel like I've already watched this fight. I can see Adam Smith commentating saying oh he's had a great career you know in the last couple of rounds when it's getting a bit boring Rick, Rick, Rickster's had a great career I think this is the end now and then Crawler wins the decision he goes and boxes for a world title etc Ricky Burns starts crying in the pre in the post fight interview he's had a great career everyone, everyone feels sorry for Ricky and 
I just see it going that way, to be honest with you. Well, if, if that's how it turns out, uh, will you sort me the lottery numbers out for next week? Mate, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a habit of, of predicting things like this, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not the lottery numbers, though, I've never quite got that right yet. <laughs> hey, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it very much sounds like that, to be fair. It sounds like that is a real possibility that could happen. Uh, no matter what happens, it's a, it's a good fight for British Park. It's a good fight for, for England and Scotland. It's a really good fight for Manchester fans to get back in the arena and try and get a little bit of confidence back because obviously what happened in May um, you know was, was terrible and, and I, I you know I was there two weeks before that event happened and my wife didn't want me to go back there the other week and I said you know I can't live my life like that living in fear of, of what could possibly happen um, and I think it'll be a good night for people to be there and the atmosphere is always good for a qualifier because he's now assume the role of the people's champion that Ricky Hatton once had so the atmosphere will be fantastic and, and no matter what happens on the night whether Crawler wins or Crawler loses it'll be a good fight people will enjoy it I, I, I think they'll walk away satisfied um, but we'll, we'll see I, th- I think with Anthony Crawler as well like you say he's, he has took the mantle of Ricky Hatton in some respect he's not just got uh, boxing fans he's got the outer world also as fans because of his he's a good guy yeah. he, he, he's good mannered he, he, he's good looking he, he, he's the full package so to speak so he's half a celebrity he's kind of a celebrity now in Britain yeah. he's not just well known in boxing everybody knows who Andy Crawler is now and I do believe a lot of the fans who are going to watch him they don't care whether it's drama or whether it's not. If Anthony Crawler wins, we've had a good night. Yeah. But I think people like me, you, a lot of people who are cr- critical of, of, of we're well into the boxing, we may not be as satisfied as as, as the rest. That's, that's I think I think I think for Crawler, what's what's really done it is is the uh, the heroism he's shown. You know, trying to protect his neighbour's house and you know because of he got a paving slab over his skull and you know he might have not walked again and he's got like pins in his ankle so he can't run properly anymore he has to to mix his training up now because of that and that's what's really propelled him to this level I mean you know not to be critical about him whatsoever this is no this is no slagging off of Anthony Collar whatsoever because I love the guy he's such a nice guy but you know if you think about what would have happened if that event would have never happened would he have really got to that celebrity status as he's got to now I, I don't know if he would have done well, he just seems to have come back a completely different yeah, guy and it, fighter. It, it all helps. It, it all helps. Um, don't get me wrong, it doesn't help getting hit over the head with a baby no, slab. But random things. If you believe your life is your life story is panned out, it's written. If you believe that, those weird random things that happen, they're all part of it. And when you look back, you're like, yeah, you know, that happened for a reason. You know, I chased a burglar by chance from robbing my neighbour and that was meant to happen to get to this point and it does feel like that with his story. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So we'll move on uh, and we'll spend a little bit more time now uh, talking about the rest, uh, well, the most notable fights of the bill. Uh, I don't really want to go into the complete every single fight yeah, depth yeah, analysis yeah, yeah. Um, because I think we'll be here all night. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> we're on about an hour and 20 minutes already, uh, which, don't, you know what, it oh, flies no, by. I've done it again. No, fly, no. <laughs> no, yeah, but it flies by. I love it. I love it. And I'm, I hope everybody else loves it too. Um, other, fights, other fights on the card. Go on, what are you going to say? You're Seven gonna say and a half thousand plays. <laughs> Suggest it did. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, other fights on the card. Uh, Sam Eggington in action European welterweight title on the line yeah I'm not going to sit here and suggest I know everything about his opponent Mohamed Mimoum is it Um, but I have had a little look at him and 
I tell you what, he's got the style to beat Sam Eginton. I'm not suggesting he's going to beat him. He's not a big puncher. He's had two knockouts from about 18 and 19 wins. But he, he nicknames himself the problem. His style is the problem. He's a southpaw. He's slick. He's pretty sharp. If he had a bang, if he had a, if he had a big punch, then he'd, he'd, be a, he'd be a proper fighter. But maybe the power's letting him down a little bit. But still, if he comes over and sticks to a game plan... To be honest, it's unlikely when people come over, they don't quite stick to these the plan given to them. When they come over to England, it always seems to be like when you come over to England, you're in trouble. But um, he's got a style to beat him. He's 100% got a style to beat him. If he lets three or four go, moves, he sends Egginson round to his right, he boxes on the outside, he pops to the left when necessary, and he keeps doing it for the 12 rounds. He can beat Sam Eginton, but the way I do see it going, more than likely, is Sam Eginton's not going to be bothered whatsoever by that kid's power. He'll just keep walking into him, walking into him, walking into him, and maybe round eight, round eight, round nine, he'll get him on the ropes, he'll plough away, ref will jump in and stop it. That's possibly how it might go. Prediction again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Nine, I tell right. you what, he was good in his last week, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with that. But yeah, I think you're right in what you're saying again. I agree because Sam Higginson is, again, like Masha Dodd. He's very no-nonsense style. Uh, he, he comes to fight. And the, 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 the one fight with Frankie Gavin that he had, where he, he must have stood there and took about five, six, seven punches in that round number seven, which was one of the rounds of the year, that year, I think it just goes to show he has got a great chin and if he feels he can take that power, he will just walk through it. I'll tell you something though, what he shouldn't be doing is dropping his hands and letting someone hit him with seven punches. That's a bit silly. He's done it on a couple of occasions and uh, to be fair, uh, Dylan Moran's uh, Dylan Moran's a southpaw. He's actually sparred him. I think it was in preparation for this fight. I think it was. And he, you don't want to let Dylan Moran hit you with three shots. And he didn't do that. It was a tough, tough night uh, for Sam Egerton in that spa. I think it was a great spa. They earned each other's respect. But shout out Dylan Moran for that spa. Because from what I heard, he did absolutely brilliantly. Um, don't get me wrong. You might see a bit more of that bravado with Sam Egerton at the weekend. Because this kid apparently can't hit. So you will see that from him. He'll probably, he'll probably drop his hands again. He'll probably drop his hands, let him hit him with seven and start smiling at him. But he doesn't. you don't have to be in with a banger to get seriously hurt in boxing. All you got to do is get punched in the face yeah. and it can happen. Oh, the right so place. He needs to keep those hands up and take it. Don't get me wrong, he enjoys it. You can tell he enjoys fight night, but take it a bit more professionally and keep your hands up and get the job done. Robbie Barrett going in against Lewis Richardson for the lightweight title. Now, I've not seen much of either of these, so I can't really, <laughs> mate, I can't really give you a prediction on this fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it, though, because yeah. I'll be able to see more, more about the pair of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, very, um, I'm very much in the same predicament as you, really. I have only seen little bits of both, both fighters, uh, but from what I have seen, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight. Robbie Barrett has got two defeats on his record, but Lewis Richardson hasn't. hasn't. So, Lewis Richardson's the undefeated fighter going into this one. Hopefully, that, that'll that be the D fight that's like a 50-50 fight. Hopefully, that'll be like the one that, I'm not saying saves the show, but the one that entertains everyone. Because I think down the list of the undercard, there's a lot of fights there. It's almost going to be like a 
like 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 a Joe Gallagher public workout. You know what I mean? <laughs> because some 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 opponents that have been put in there. There's not too many 50-50 fights there, and you might just be a bit of talent on on, on showcase and and and, and getting getting a W and then and then you know not much maybe a few knockouts for for us to watch, but maybe not so many competitive fights. Well, also on the undercard is Scott Cardle, who who was um he was the British lightweight, or was it the Commonwealth? I can't remember. I'm not sure, but he's had some great fights with yeah, uh, Sean Dodd, Dodd, yeah, yeah, two great fights with Master Dodd. Um, and I think I'm sure he was the British lightweight champion. Uh, it's going to bug me now if I, if I've completely I forgot I about this. I think he was. I think it was I'm the British. Sure, I'm sure he was, he was the British, British champion, uh, Scott Cardle. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he actually he lost it to Robbie Barrett. Right. Last fight. Right. So Robbie Barrett's beat Scott Cardle. And Scott Cardle's actually oh, on. I watched it. I did. I watched it. I watched it. But I can't remember fully. But. I remember it now. Oh. Yeah, I remember it now. Yeah, that was yeah, on yeah. TV, were it? It was because actually I remember him having two close fights with Masha Dodd and thinking Scott Cardle's time's coming to a close here. This British chat, and I remember then Robbie Barrett did take it off. Yeah, him, yeah, uh, convincingly. Over I think, uh, yeah, I think I remember watching it and thinking first time I've seen him, and I, I think I was impressed with Robbie Barrett that night. So I do look forward to watching him again, actually. Well, Scott Cardle's back in uh, on that card as well. Uh, he's going against Lee Connolly, who's uh, journeyman. Seven, seven wins, 27 losses. I'll tell you something, though. I'll tell you something about Lee Connolly. He is tough as anything. If you let him get inside, if you let him get inside, he will go to work. He beat Christian late uh, last week. Who's also who's like two journeymen fighting each other, and they both went at it trying to get a W. But um, Lee Connolly, he is capable. He's, he's a great inside fighter. If you let him get inside, he'll go to work. Be interesting. I, I'd be interested to see because I don't. He's got Cardo. He's got all the boxing ability in the world, but I, I don't think he's got the punch power that he needs to keep people off. That's, him, it, that's, what, that's he, it. That's what he struggled with with Master Dodd and with Robbie Barrett as well. So it'd be interesting to see because he'll be looking to. He'll be keeping a very close eye on that fight to see if he can get in there. However. Um, Joe Murray's now the uh, manager challenger for that title after right. beating Matty Fagan. Right. So the winner of that fight should essentially go on to fight Joe Murray, uh, which will be an interesting one to see. Um, Conor Ben, who I spoke to yesterday, got a quick interview with him on the YouTube channel uh, on the undercard uh, against Nathan Clark. Uh, I fully expect Conor Ben to come through this test. I see. I think what they're doing with Conor Ben is because he is in terms of a professional point of view, he is a raw novice. He's got potential, he's explosive, he doesn't mind a fight, but they keep putting him in with novice pros and no nobody with bags of experience like the standard run-of-the-mill journeyman who's tough as anything because those guys, he won't be blasting them out. The novice pro, with even with a winning record, they're the five and two and, and one, etc., they're the ones you're going to blast out because they're going to open up and they're trying to make Conan Ben look special but you will see when he fights a 50-50 fight don't be surprised if he takes an L when he does fight a 50-50 fight genuinely because he's got a lot of flaws in his defence uh, that's just my opinion no People can disagree, but that is my opinion on no, Conor Bell. I, well, I've seen him get clipped quite a few occasions, but when you say it, like, like you say against novice pros, the guys that are not really giving him enough trouble to, to do it, so he's getting away with it. So if he comes up against somebody that, that can bang... Well, for example, just there quickly, he actually boxed uh, Ross Jameson, who's a novice pro, won one, lost three or something like that. And, and Jamo actually... Jamo actually caught him with quite a few punches. Now, 
J-Mo fought on a Kieran Farrell promotions card against Lee Connolly and Lee Connolly beat him so that shows you what Lee Connolly can do when he goes and fights Scotty Cardle. Yeah. But yeah, Conor Ben, they keep putting him with people with very, very little fights to promote him. They promote him well. From a promoter's point of view, they're doing a great job of him because he's, he's knocking people out, etc. And he's looking absolutely fantastic. But the truth will, it will rise to the surface eventually. Well, we'll see. Only time's going to tell us what's going to happen with Conor Ben. Uh, but on another note, he is actually a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never met. I've that. never met him, so so I can't really. No, he is honestly. He really, really just gives you time of day. One fight, a fighter that's on the card, um, which you might be able to tell me a little bit more about, is uh, Gavin McDonald, and he was supposed to be fighting Jay Carney. Now is that going ahead? I do not know because Jay Carney obviously couldn't fight at the at, on a Friday. Was, yeah, yeah uh, because of a medical issue. I'm not sure. I, I I do not know yet, but I think Jay Carney's going somewhere to get checked out again to see if he's okay to fight. <laughs> oh, that should be a great fight if that happens because Jay Carney will bring it. He'll bring it to Gavin McDonald. Now it's a massive ask. He's he's had a a, a meteoric rise, Gavin McDonald, since he started his pro career. And he what, did he box for the world title on his last fight? Uh, or, 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 he did box for the world title against with, Ray, Ray Vargas. Yeah, he was he's out of his depth slightly that night. He got outboxed, but Jay Carney. Listen, if Jay Carney does get the all clear to go and fight him, that 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 will get shown on TV because that will be a fight while it lasts. It'd be a great fight. That. I, I hope it comes through. I, I hope for Jay it comes through because when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. I had a good chat with him he was really really up for it and he you know he was really up for it and I'm thinking if he can go there and, and, and kind of upset the apple cart you know who knows where it's going to take him even take a few rounds even if he takes a few rounds Jay Carney comes out on a positive note everyone says well, fair play to that guy he's just been in a world title fight recently and this kid uh, what's Jay Carney's record 5-2-1 and one, or something like that he's just stepped in and he's took it to him and it would be a good little scrap that while while it lasts, and um, maybe it'll it'll go the distance as well. It'll be it'll be a good fight that if it happens. Couple of other fighters on the card. No, uh, Jake Haig. He's actually on the card. Fair play, fair play to him. He's come off the Kieran Farrell promotion show against Daryl Sharp. Uh, that is great preparation for whoever he's fighting. Jamie Ambler is fighting. What's his record? Uh, Jamie Ambler's record is 12 wins, 70 losses and 2 draws. Right, but you never know. You never know, but I suppose that fight's been matched up for Jake to, to look the business on his... Um, is it his first big TV yeah, show? It possibly? It's definitely his first big TV show, but I think there's quite a good chance he might. He possibly could be a floater for that fight. Yeah, he will be, but still, he can say he boxed on the crawler bill. Yeah. It's a good step for his experience and he's uh, dealing with the atmosphere because there's always an atmosphere even when it's not packed even when you're in when you know I'm on the undercard of Crawler or he might even box after he might even have to box after afterwards the yeah yeah he could possibly could know, end up doing it's that still, it's still a step for him and uh, I'm, I'm pleased for him because he performed really well in that war with Daryl Sharp Marcus Morrison who's also on the card um, he's coming back to the scene of the crime for him Um where he lost last year to Jason Wellborn, but he also lost a four rounder against Tyron Booth earlier on this year as well, which was very surprising for me. Was was this after or before? This was after the Wellborn loss. Ooh. Now, so he's basically coming off the back of two losses. So he's had a frustrating, a frustrating twelve. Uh, well, 
nearly 12 months. He, he lost to Jason Wellborn uh, earlier on this year, and he lost to Tyan Booth in June this year. So he's had. He said to me yesterday when I interviewed him that he's had a very frustrating few months, and he is really looking to get back in. Uh, but he is fighting somebody again. Which the record's not too bad. I mean, I don't know of the guy. You might know of him, uh, Mari- Marius Biscus. Biscus, yeah, <laughs> can't pronounce it. He's got 23, 23 wins, forty-five losses, and two draws on his record. So he's won quite a few. He's had what seventy fights, and he's won at least twenty of them seventy fights. So he's he doesn't seem like a complete slouch. This ties in slightly with the Tom Farrell experience. Now, when he lost to Jason Wellborn, Marcus Morrison. I believe that fight could have been stopped. Um, did he end up stopping him or did he go to points in the end? No, he stopped. He got stopped. Didn't he it? should have got stopped earlier because Jason Wellborn came and gave it him, and he put it on him and he stuck it on him and he stayed right there and he gave it him. And I, be- I just believe the ref was trying to get it out to points uh, for one reason or another. The home fighter always gets the benefit, and there was no way they could have they could have gave it that way even no. if they did get to points. But I just thought just because he's the home fighter. If he's getting beat up badly, then stop the fight. Yeah. Stop the fight. Don't mess about. And it's a bit like that with a Tom Farrell experience, you know what I mean? And as you say, he's lost a full rounder since. He's obviously not took it very well, you know what I mean? But hopefully he gets back on track. It's a good opportunity for him to get back on track. Um, hopefully he won't be in too much of a, a tough fight again. Hopefully not. Hopefully he, may, he, may be, he might, might get him out of there and, and he can go on from that. We've got Sam Hyde uh, also on the card. Uh, he's obviously um, under Gallagher now. Uh, he's ten. He's ten and zero with one draw on the record. So he, he's looking to to get. He, he thinks now he should be on the bigger stages. He said that to me yesterday. Uh, so he wants to put a performance on tomorrow night, uh, Saturday night. Sorry. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, we've got Sam Hyde on there. Uh, we've also got Ruthless Ryan Do- Doyle who's on the card as well yeah yeah um, he's, he's quite an interesting fighter uh, so I've been looking forward to seeing how they do but there's quite a lot of fights on this card and I, I'm, I'm getting the impression that we're not going to possibly get to see all these no. on, on telly I mean yeah, yeah. we just found out earlier on before we started the podcast that uh, unfortunately Matchroom won't give me an accreditation for this weekend which I'm, I'm quite um, quite disappointed about because I got the one for Liverpool last week but because of the oversubscriptions this for the qualify understandably they're not able to, to, to do that for me which I am disappointed about I was really looking forward to going I, obviously I, I do speak to Anthony I will see if there's anything Anthony can do maybe talk me a couple of tickets out to get there if not I'll sit at home and watch it with my wife uh, you know we love watching boxing together it'll be great to to actually watch it back at home now because for the past few months since I've started doing the eight sleep boxing repeat I've been at ringside so I've not actually watched the fight on telly for quite a while now to be fair I, I love watching it on telly me I love watching it on television uh, it, it, you're up close to the action don't get me wrong you don't get the atmosphere but if you if you want to if it's a big 12 round fight and you want to score it etc and you zoomed in you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. I don't actually mind watching it on TV me. I've never I've, I've watched it on TV for years before yeah. I started doing this I've watched it on TV apart from when I've been to the fights where I've never really been as that close to the ring as I have been doing recently so it would probably will be good in some respects to go back and relax a little bit and you know I said this to you last week you know with, with what I'm doing at the moment I'm very very busy and again you know it's it's 25 past 8 and I've, I've come straight from work from my full time job straight out to come and do a podcast so I've not even seen you know my, my little girl tonight so 
it, it, you know, it probably will be good to spend a bit of time at home this weekend yeah. in some respects. I am disappointed, don't get me wrong. I wanted to be there uh, and I wanted to try and get some more interviews and I wanted to, to do a bit bit of stuff there and a bit of uh, networking while I was there. But, you know, on this occasion, it's not meant to be. But I don't like that. I don't get upset about that because at the end of the day, uh, very new very new to the game. It is fastly growing. We've got 7,500 people listening to this podcast last week. Hopefully we'll get... Let's the, hope we hit them numbers. Well, let's hope we get let's, the same let's numbers Let's hope again. we get more. Let's, let's hope we we get more everyone share it everyone like it I, 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 yeah I hope you do and that, that's you know I'm going to sort of come, come to a close really we've now we've talked about last weekend and this weekend's fights um, that we wanted to discuss in the weekly roundup I really want to sort of say again thanks very much for everybody that listened to the podcast fans you know fans friends family you know people listen to it it's been absolutely fantastic to get that type of response Uh, and it you know as a result of that it's getting more attention from people around the gyms and more people are getting in contact and more people are wanting to 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 see what this is all about and that's what i want um obviously i got you on like i said at the start of the show i got you on because i felt like you're not just a guest, you know, anymore. I think I think you're a good guy to get on. I think you've got a really, really good knowledge of the game, and I think that's what people want to hear as as well as as well as my perspective on it. They want to hear someone else's perspective. So, um, you know, we can get you on uh, as much as we can but possibly. That's it. And becoming part of the furniture. Now. <laughs> to be fair, I had a good response. I was happy about that. I do appreciate nice comments like that. Um, I was really happy about that response. Yeah, no, you did. You, you got a lot of love, and that was, that was good to see from for me. That was like, well, you know, he he told his story last week and people have loved that but they also commented on the fact that he knows what he's talking about <laughs> that's what was that's what that's the one. I was impressed with you know people saying oh, he knows what he's talking about him uh, and that's what I want to hear so great feedback uh, I did get a couple of reviews um I did get. I got about eight, eight or nine reposts of the of the actual podcast on SoundCloud. I want people to keep reposting it, resharing it, uh, playing it, listening to it. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues. You know, let them listen to something new. Let them listen to something while they're working. Let them listen to something while they're cleaning the house. You know, it, it's it's easy to do. You just stick your earphones in or your headphones on, walk around the house on your mobile, listen to the podcast, listen to it in bed at night. If if we're that boring, I might, might even tell you to sleep. <laughs> if you're struggling to get to sleep at night, you never know. It might have the opposite effect. Oh, I'm sure the soothing voice of Nay Farrell will, will will help people nod <laughs> off at night time. <laughs> uh, no, on a serious note, though, it's been great. Uh, it's been great having you on again, and I think you know we'll try and make it as regular as possible. Now um, we, we've got fighters wanting to come on it, so you know hopefully we'll get a, another fighter on this week and next week and the next couple of weeks, um, so we can have a different perspective from different people, and you know talk about their upcoming fights that'll be good um, have you got any anything you want to talk about before we close yeah just just very quickly uh, Lee Clayton the comeback kid he has announced on social media that he will be fighting for his first professional title in December possibly December the 3rd uh, pro- possibly over 8 rounds in his first title and hopefully with my uh, professional licence coming through He'll be my quickfire first champion as a professional, so I'm looking forward to that. Really, it'd be fantastic that won't it? It'd be good to see if he can get that. I know he's really up for it because I spoke to him this morning about it. Um, I've actually blocked him on Facebook because he's just doing me heading about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, so I'll um, I'll just sort of close it up and I'll just ask everybody to continue to do the likes, the shares, the reposts, get your reviews in, get your comments in. You know, if you like it, please, please, please comment and share it because you keep doing that it gets a better exposure it gets better worldwide exposure
exposure even um, make sure you leave us a review on Facebook make sure you leave us a review on SoundCloud uh, iTunes is also a big one to do like I said last week uh, and just again thanks very much for everybody for listening I hope you've really enjoyed it uh, if you've not <laughs> let me know uh, but if you have again also let me know uh, thanks very much for listening again tonight guys I'll see you next week thank you Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.